The prophet gives King Ahaz of Judah a sign of his dynasty's power. He foretells the birth of the Messiah. The first reading this morning comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or, or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David. It is too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he had promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel according to his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be Son of God, with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. The logical thing for Joseph would be to leave. 
but logic is not always big enough for God's ways. The easy thing for Joseph to do would be to leave. But following God's will does not guarantee that it's going to be easy. The expected thing would be for Joseph to leave. But what they expect is not always the point of God's claim upon our lives. The most ordinary thing to do is to take refuge in what makes sense, what is easy, and conventional behavior. Joseph the dreamer, and he's not the first dreamer named Joseph, Joseph the dreamer dreams a vision brought by God's angel, that the woman his beloved is pregnant with a child, not his own, but God's own. The angel dream sent by God says, marry her. A good man would not do that. A good and decent man would not have anything to do with such a woman. Even his beloved, pregnant with a child, not his own. A good man would leave her. The Galilean neighbors would expect a good man to leave her. Everything seems to say, leave her. But the angel says, marry her. The pull toward the logical, the easy, the expected is enormous in human life. And so often this is the typical pathway made ready for us. We think our way through what needs to be done. We find that point of least resistance. We ferret out what is expected from us, and and that's, that's what we do, typically. Seems to me that this child born of Mary and known as Joseph's son had a few things to say about this later on in life. Jesus was pretty much a careful keeper of the law. It's wrong-minded to speak of the law in a pejorative way. certainly was not the manner of Jesus. And especially as we read in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is a very careful keeper of the law. Sort of like the rest of the Galilean neighbors. These were precise people, pious people, when it came to matters of the law. But Jesus knew that it was possible to keep the law, the whole law, and nothing but the law, and still fail to get that glimpse of God's new world. The law is good, the law is necessary, not debatable. It is not all there is to human life. 
Because sometimes that angel is going to show up and say to you, marry her. And things like the law may not be of much help. What is absolutely right and necessary will not always make sense. The neighbors will not understand, but the good neighbor is the one who will walk with you regardless. The world we inhabit has grown old and weary, and not all is well in it in these days. We live with with an economy that is held together with duct tape. We are stuck in about one and a half wars at present. Peace in Sudan, about which many of us care a great deal, is about to fall apart, or so it seems. The creation is a mess. It still bears the marks of the Creator, but it also bears the wounds of what we, humankind, have placed on it. And not least of all, the world's craziness makes it so that some 40 million people go to bed every night without having eaten a bite of food all day long. And it's just one of the huge aches in our world today. The impulse is to cogitate and to think our way through problems like this, problems like world hunger. You know, we think we can, we can fix this thing. We can do it. With enough science and technology, we can solve the problems of hunger. Or at least that's the fantasy of the Western world, and it's a special fantasy of those of us who live in such a technological culture. The problem is that there has not yet been enough science to do it. We have got plenty of science, and yet world hunger is still there, even in greater dimensions than ever before. There is brilliant science out there to take your breath away, and I'm not willing to give up one little bit of it. Knowledge is good. It's just not enough. All that knowledge, all that science, and all those empty bellies. God has not yet asked me to become a Luddite. And I would resist such a thing. I don't think that faith requires anyone to take a stand against technology simply because it is technology. Technology is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. These things alone will not heal what is hurting in our world. 
But the people of God have some underutilized resources. Like, for example, this one. A story told on a Galilean hillside. 5,000 hungry people and more. And not nearly enough food to go around. Five loaves, two fishes. You've heard this one. The teacher taught and blessed food and broke bread. It was a miraculous feeding, more than enough to go around. Now, this story is not a substitute for hard science, and it's, it's not a fix. It just seems to me that we have not yet completely tried the story. We have not completely left this story and so many others have their way with us. Haven't quite taken in the consequences of what Jesus has done with food. Himself becoming food for us at this table. Knowledge without story and without imagination like this is at least incomplete and sometimes it can become dangerous. This one, for example. I remember Thomas Merton's famous essay that he wrote during Eichmann's trial for crimes against humanity, the ones that he committed in providing leadership during the Holocaust. Merton said that what he found frightening was not the madness of Eichmann. You know, we like our criminals to be a little bit crazy. But Eichmann was not crazy. In fact, he was found to be legally sane. And this is what Merton found frightening. These people weren't crazy. They were rationally demonic. And Merton said that if this were the case, that someone like Eichmann could be legally sane, then he for himself would choose insanity. Thank you very much. Knowledge is good. Careful thinking and logic are good. Knowledge without story and without imagination is always incomplete and can sometimes be dangerous. Jesus knew the law. He treasured the law. He kept the law. And he said, you've got to go beyond that. He said, the law with all the care that the Pharisees take in keeping it is not enough. You must go beyond that. The law was Jesus' science. It was his delight. By the time he was a teenager, he was teaching others about this great treasure. It's a good thing to know. And in fine Jewish practice, it is worthwhile, at least on one festival each year, to dance with it. Perhaps that's something we're missing, is uh, the practice of dancing with the law. We just need to remember that the law is not God, points toward God, tells about God. 
is not God. And the law will not save you. It will not help you to know what you need to do when the neighbors expect you to leave your beloved. But the angel is saying, marry her. Any hope for the world's healing depends on people who are absolutely steeped in knowledge and wisdom and who know the limits of both. We've got to have these things. Knowledge, wisdom, science, technology. But they're not going to make us well. No one will technologize fully a way toward healing. No one can fully medicalize a way toward healing. There is a distinction, and an important one, between a cure and healing. They are not the same. Healing begins with our knowledge and our science and our therapies and all of these things. Healing begins with a cure. It doesn't end there. Healing requires another dimension. It requires God's dimension. Getting well sometimes is not very easy at all. Health is not the same thing as ease. Often the direction book toward getting well is a good place to start, but it's not the place to end. For the world to get well, for us to get well, it's always going to require courage. It requires faith, and not the sloganish kind of faith that sometimes we want to substitute for the real thing. I'm talking about the hard faith of a man faced with the pregnancy of his beloved, pregnant with a child not his own. This is hard faith growing out of anguish that invades even one's dreaming life, into which the angel steps and says against all good judgment, all good sense, and despite the gossip of the neighbors, marry her. And you know, that was the right thing. The confused and hurting faith of Joseph gives us a model and gives hope to a hurting world. Amen.